My name is Matt Rappolt, and welcome to another episode of Midtown Conversations here on Midtown Radio. Today, we're bringing you a conversation submitted by local volunteer Ashlyn Clancy. Ashlyn is a Midtown resident, an environmental activist, and a school social worker here in Waterloo Region. She's been involved with lobbying various levels of government on behalf of local environmental groups. And in this clip, she sits down with Roland Chidiak to talk about how citizens can work to affect positive change in their governments. Here is that conversation. Hi, my name is Roland Chidiak. I'm here today with Midtown resident Ashlyn Clancy. We'll be sharing with you a bit about how and why to lobby your government. Hello, Ashlyn. Tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into lobbying. Thanks, Roland. Um, I moved to KW, back to KW five years ago, and I got connected to the climate movement in town. There's so many organizations. Um, the one that appealed to me most was Citizen Climate Lobby. So Katerina Lindman, a uh, good friend now, runs our KW chapter with me. And she kind of introduced me to the idea of lobbying. And this appealed to me. I like rallies. I like, you know, you know, trying to change my lifestyle, but it felt like this was a good way for me to do something about my anxiety and my wishes about the climate. If people were interested in this particular organization, who could they talk to to get more information about possibly helping out? So Citizen Climate Lobby Canada has a website and you can kind of write in your postal code. So no matter where you live in Canada or the US, it's an American organization initially, but now we have our Canada branch and you can kind of look up your chapter and register. And then people, when they're having a meeting, will kind of loop you in. And it's a good way you can kind of come to a chapter meeting. We usually have supper and chit chat. And then we talk about the actions we're going to take to move certain climate policy along. Lobbying is one branch of what CCL does. So they really focus on talking to your representatives. So your MP mostly is the focus we have, but we've lobbied MPPs, we've lobbied our senators, and we try to focus on one kind of climate policy at a time. So if you've heard of carbon fee and dividend, so we talk about charging, putting a price on carbon, and that's from Citizen Climate Lobby. They started in 2013 to focus on this policy, getting it passed because it was the number one uh, policy that econ economists recommended to shift our carbon emissions. Um, and it's world renowned, and Canada is the first country to have this policy, actually. So we're pretty, it's pretty big achievement for CCL. And now uh, CCL is focusing on making that policy better. There's a, exemptions of the wazoo. And so we're trying to chip away at some of those exemptions and try to make the policy work better. Are there any requirements for people who are interested in, in volunteering uh, to lobby or to learn how to lobby? That's the beauty of CCL. They really believe in people empowerment. So 
you know, I've become, you know, ever since joining CCL, I've become increasingly involved in politics. I've, you know, been able to participate in a couple campaigns locally, you know, and get um, participate in, you know, city council meetings and volunteer actions and different provincial and federal actions. So the beauty of it is they believe everybody should have a voice. So they try to make sure people get empowered. And I have experienced it personally. You know, I had never before written for the newspaper. And one of the big pillars is trying to spread awareness in the grassroots, right? Getting the messages out, trying to um, make local citizens aware of these policy ideas and shouting out to your local representatives so you keep that relationship alive. They believe on building a good relationship with your representatives so you become an ally, somebody who can educate them. MPs and MPPs often aren't experts in everything. You know, how could they be? So that's an opportunity for CCL to bring this wisdom of climate policy to the representatives so they can bring it with them to um, the chambers, the council meetings. So yeah, I'd never written before. And so, I, you know, thankfully to Katarina, she coached me and there's resources on the web on how you can write a letter to the editor. Like it's a really great way to start is just put your ideas and your thoughts in writing, you know, make sure it fits how an LT is written and then get it published. And sure enough, like Katarina had made sure that the record, our local paper had, um, she worked with them a lot to get more climate content and then supports citizens on writing their letters to the editors. And she, you know, and since then I've been able to write a couple op-eds, uh, opinion pieces about climate policy and politics, which has been really exciting. You know, I feel like what I'm doing matters. It feels like I'm not sitting and stewing about the state of our climate. I'm doing something about it. My voice is heard and I'm putting my thoughts, I'm articulating my thoughts in a way that, you know, educates our community and our politicians. I am familiar uh, that you've written two of them. Uh, when you wrote the first one, how hard was it for you? I mean, did you follow, you followed a template to help you kind of um, get your thoughts out? Is that, is that fair to say that you, for the first one that happened? And then my next question is, when you wrote your second one, did it just seem to flow a lot easier than the first one? I've been pretty lucky in that I have a great, um, I have a network. So I'm also a member of Shift. Uh, they do divestment work with pensions. So they had been keen on writing an op-ed. So the one I wrote, wrote most recently, that was, there was one published in Corporate Nights, which is a, a big organization on kind of climate and business, and then one in the record. Um, so I kind of try to get my points out. I try to do some good research, make sure there's good facts. Um, the beauty of Citizen Climate Lobby is that they have lots of examples. You can kind of read through some examples of opinion pieces that have been written and then just get people to take a peek. Usually on uh, the websites of the different media, you can see what the word counts are, for example. Usually you want to have a, a hash, a little um, phrase that's catchy, you know, so like you can finish it with a really passionate plea or try to make a title that's kind of catchy. And especially with LTEs, you can write in response to something that's happened in the news. So it's I think it is good if you can tie in what you're writing with something that's current, you know, if something's happening in the zeitgeist and or in the that paper. I haven't had any luck with the Globe and Mail. 
but um, a lot of that has to do with networking and, um, you know, we're, I think now citizen climate lobby is recognized with the record. Um, so that's been helpful to have that relationship. So just like if you have relationship with your elected official, it helps you have an ear when you have a policy idea. It's also good if your media, if you have an ear with your media. So um, leveraging a relationship with somebody else can be helpful, but um, yeah, those are some tips, but you can always go on the CCL Canada website to kind of get a better um, guidebook on how to do it yourself. And there's lots of people within the CCL community that are happy to help who've done op-eds in the past or LTEs in the past. So in your work as a lobbyist, um, tell me a little bit about your relationships. Have you been able to establish a few solid relationships? Yeah, I think we're pretty fortunate in this area. Like Katerina, because Bardish Tiger in Waterloo has been in her seat for a while, Katerina has been meeting with her on a regular basis for a decade. Um, and then locally, you know, uh, through my and participation in campaigns, I've been able to have a connection with Mike Morris, our local Kitchener Centre representative. So it's really great to be on a lobbying call with Mike personally, because I've got to know him through his campaign, got to know him through two campaigns, actually. And, um, you know, it, it's more of a conversation. I can ask him, like, what do you think is going to help me move this policy forward? And he'll say, you know what? If you can give me a petition with 25 signatures, uh, it gives me a window where I have a legit cause. I have to bring this forward to the House of Commons. So there's different numbers. I think it's 500 for online petitions and 25 for paper pen. So he says, you get me the 25 signatures and I'll take this policy idea on to the House of Commons, which is pretty amazing. And he knows he's building relationships himself. So it turns into this web where, you know, you have a conversation with one person and then, you know, they can leverage that conversation in their conversation with somebody else. So even with Barda, she was like, oh, I'm going to be seeing, you know, the environment minister next week. Can you send me more information about that so I can share that with them? So it, it's good for her because I think she can um, share some important data um, and it also helps us move the agenda forward. And that's been helpful too. Recently, my op-ed, I, I did a shout out to Rosa Galvez, a senator who's really interested in um, decarbonizing finance. And that was what my op-ed was about. So I had met with her recently. I'm like, this is a perfect opportunity. I partnered with Shift to write a good piece. I gave her a shout out and it was actually, and her office sent us email recognition thank you so much you know it was really great that you could recognize our work and it really kind of just strengthens strengthens that relationship where we can ask her for things and move bring up certain topics and she can lean on us if she needs to that's both excellent and excitement as you explain all that uh it sounds to me like it's beneficial to everybody involved particularly the fact that um, these politicians are able to say to you, they give you clear guidelines. Like if you can do this, if you can demonstrate this for me, then I have data to go back and be able to speak to this um, in a manner that's appropriate. So I, I appreciate you saying that because as I, as I think about this whole, this whole world of lobbying and how it works, 
um, it's great to hear that uh, the networking pays off. You meet people, you talk to them, um, you're, you're wanting to provide them with information about something that's important to you and other people so that change can happen. And then I hear you tell me that they're very open to hearing these things and they even provide you with, like I call them guidelines or parameters on what they would require in order to kind of move these ideas along which kind of brings me to my next question. What has been your biggest challenge as a lobbyist? Well, I think, you know, we're not the only ones lobbying, right? So when you think of oil and gas industry, they have, they have like 75, I don't even know, like they have so many more dollars. Like we're doing this in the spirit of volunteerism, civic engagement, people empowerment. But I mean, the oil and gas sector is so wealthy. They have professional lobbyists and um, they also are um, treating themselves like experts to politicians. So, you know, there was another politician we lobbied and they talked about their weekly meetings with RBC, right? RBC is one of the top polluters in the world. If you look at the paper trail of where their money is invested, right? So, you know, we have a lot of, um, there's an imbalance of which voices are representative in our government, right? So yes, we come to the table and we, because the organization has been successful to spread widely, you know, so every constituent has more of an audience with their representatives. So I can lobby Mike more easily than I can lobby somebody who is not my representative outside of my riding. So, but um, yeah, we're really, so despite the fact that the organization is doing really well and the um, impact is spread out across the country, we're still, it's still a battle to offset the fear mongering and, you know, in some cases, misinformation that maybe an oil and gas sector might share with a politician because they're trying to save their business model, right, which isn't sustainable. So they might say that carbon capture is a great idea because they know they'll get it subsidized and millions of dollars will come into their pocket, right? Or offshore oil and Newfoundland is a great idea because of the war in Ukraine. You know, they could capitalize in any way, shape or form in order to keep sustain their business model, right? And they have deep pockets. Right now they're making buckets of money, you know, and so they'll spend that on lobbyists who will help to kind of keep their message fresh in the minds of politicians, I think. Does the fact that uh, there are what I'm going to refer to as professional lobbyists get in the way of the work that you and people like CCL um, Canada are involved in. And so what I mean by that is, I know that you're not a professional lobbyist. I know that um, you're following your heart and you're very invested in the community and, and your children's future, so to speak, and other people's futures. And so you believe in what you're doing. But we know that there are professional lobbyists. And you even said that some of the barriers are that there are other people lobbying. So I think it's really awesome that you're you're doing this work knowing that you're up against other people who do this full-time professionally. Does that ever kind of enter into your thinking process or are you just, you're focused, you've got uh, supports in place, you've had some success with um, a couple of uh, op-ed pieces you've written, like you're building your capacity. How does, how does it, that you know that the other people out there are professionals 
does that get in the way ever or do you just keep doing what you're doing? Yeah, I don't know if I, there isn't really, I don't know of a lot of policies that would police, you know, or kind of hold, um, put any limits or boundaries on private lobbying. Like um, I'm, I haven't done homework in that department. Um, yeah, I get discouraged, you know, like we got the carbon fee and dividend and then we got that it's going to keep um, becoming more important in the price on carbon. So like we make these steps forward and then, you know, we go to subsidizing pipelines again, like throwing money off at TX and um, opening up a new project of offshore oil in Newfoundland. So, yeah. For sure, you get discouraged, right? Like, uh, it's hard to watch when it feels mixed like that. Like, you you take two steps forward and maybe it feels like two steps back sometimes. But I feel like I need to channel my energy somewhere, right? Like, if I, I luckily, I mean, CCL has some good programming around um, supporting its lobbyists with resiliency. So they have um, OnGo, which is a regular meetup for folks to kind of self-care um, they have a resiliency workshop called Active Hope that I led for a few months where we try to help people feel their feelings and grieve what's happening to the planet, but channel um, channel their energy and renew their energy so they can kind of sustain that motivation to keep the, the fight alive. I think CCL markets it as a slow, like they say, if you want to, oh, there was a good quote, but it, I think they believe that if you do it slowly, and with relationships and with community that it will sustain, right? So um, I think it's just, we're waiting for that tipping point. We're trying to build political will through the top leaders of organizations. So I lobby Omer's my pension and they have made huge shifts. So like I try to savor those moments where Omer's sets a target to decarbonize by 2050 and they start selling off their pipeline investments right and i try to hold on to those little savor those moments where it feels like a win you know and you talk to somebody about divestment and they say oh cool you know i should try that so i guess you just have to do a lot of self-care um and connect with community members to charge your batteries you got to savor some wins in order to really continue to do the work because unfortunately i feel like this is a lifetime commitment Really good points you raised there. You you do have to find those wins for sure. And it sounds like you're in a good place where you're able to help others build their capacity and you can build your capacity. And I really like the whole idea of taking care of one's health, one's mental health to be able to, um, you know, like refresh and keep going. So I really like that. I, I uh, never considered those points. <laughs> I would say that um, the last question I have for you is about your future as a lobbyist. And really, I'd like to know from your perspective, what do you feel that the future holds for you as someone who's moving in this direction? Thank you. You know, as a, someone who's participated on campaigns and I've also lobbied a lot, I do feel compelled to get more involved. You know, um, I think municipally with the elections coming up, you know, there's lots of ways to partner. And so I'm keen to see what the future holds. I don't know if this is something that could become a career at some point. Um, there's, you know, I don't know what, what that looks like. You know, I don't know if there's a lot of lobbyists who lobby for environment 
um, as a job. I think right now there's some there's a lot of NGOs, so many NGOs that are doing really cool things. So I like to stay connected. I like to support them. You know, with Shift, I love supporting their work with pension divestment. I love you know supporting eco justice and Fridays for Future. Um, but yeah, I do feel called to make this part of my career life. You know, it is a big part of uh, the fabric of our family. It's a big part of um, what I'm being called for. What I feel compelled to pursue is to help our organizations support our government to kind of have good climate policy and do things that maybe they're scared to do because of that fear of shifting and change. Uh, make progress to like not just set a goal. Canada's brutal at setting goals and not meeting them, you know, and in Kitchener, we've set goals and I'd like to see us take more steps to meet those goals. So I feel like as a member of Ward 10 in my community, I feel like as a Canadian, as a somebody in Ontario, I feel uh, compelled to act politically and make politics just part of my life. But I do it with integrity. Like CCL is all about being respectful, showing gratitude and, you know, working with people who you may disagree with, right, in a respectful way. So, you know, I'm going to keep doing those bits that I'm doing already, but I am curious to see what I can do further as part of my career, because I do feel like I am a social worker in schools and I am supporting people with their mental health and trying to address barriers for young people and families like poverty and homelessness, mental health, addiction, so that they can reach their full potential. Um, and then I, I think the climate is interwoven and, in, you know, linked to all that. Like it is the low income folks that are going to feel the the heat, literally, <laughs> um, and are going to be impacted most by the changing weather and the young people, right? It is youth who are going to have the greatest burden to bear and have made the least contribution to this climate disaster. So, you know, I think um, whether as a social worker or as a climate advocate or getting involved in politics, I think I'll hopefully be able to follow my values and make a difference. That's great, Ashlyn. Thank you very much for taking the time to explain, um, you know, how to get involved in lobbying, your work in lobbying. I think uh, what you've presented today in this conversation uh, can provide anybody with an idea of how to get into it based on your experiences, your successes, your next steps. So thank you very much for your time today. No problem. And if anybody is curious, like, uh, I'm happy to chat about this one-on-one. -on -one. I really love you know, uh, working with others and mentoring people if they want to give it a try. So just go to CCL Canada and you can look up the Waterloo Region chapter and send us a note and we'll invite you to our next meeting and, you know, you can join and participate in whatever way, shape or form you wish. Thanks, Ashlyn. Bye, everyone. That was Ashlyn Clancy and Roland Chidiak talking about how you can affect change in your government through lobbying. My name is Matt Rappelt, and thanks so much for listening to this episode of Midtown Conversations here on Midtown Radio. If you have your own conversation that you'd like to air on our program, you can reach out to us by email at midtownradiokw at gmail.com. 
or you can shoot us a message on Instagram. Our handle is at Midtown Radio KW. For local conversations on demand, make sure you check out our website, midtownradio.ca, and tune in every Saturday morning at 11.30 a.m. for more Midtown Conversations. Thanks so much for listening to KW's Hyperlocal Radio. Radio.